there was something about 2009 that reminded me of 1992. I, the, the chemistry, the, uh, the musicianship, and just how, how much they seem to gel musically on stage. Yeah, yeah I, I definitely would go with that. that. Now, Ken, of course, you weren't the only guy who saw Kiss in 2010, and there were other people who wanted to share their thoughts with the Podkiss listeners. So here's a little treat for you. Hi, this is Mike Meyer from Podkiss. I was fortunate enough this year to catch three of the shows on the Hottest Show on Earth tour. Pittsburgh with Ken, Buffalo. I went to Cuyahoga Falls outside of Cleveland and saw my third show. For the last couple of years, I mean... I just am amazed as how tight the band sounds. They play everything really faithfully. It, it sounds great. Tommy, every time I see him, he just seems to come a little more out of his shell. I saw him back on the tour with Peter Chris, World Domination Tour. And I mean, he was good then, but I think if you put that, put him together with what he was doing back then as to what he's doing now, he just looks way more confident uh cockier he's he's really good and when i was talking to some people and when we were tailgating up in buffalo uh they were we were all just you know talking about kiss as one would do at a kiss concert uh, talking about the show and uh i had a t-shirt from the pittsburgh show and they asked me where i got it and i go wow you saw another show yeah it's really good uh and I mentioned how good Eric Singer and Tommy Thayer were because we parked together when I, after the show. I saw them as we were heading back to the cars, and I go, what did you guys think of the new guys? And they go, oh, man, they're awesome. Everything just looks really great. I like, I love the stage. Uh, I liked it last year. I liked it a little more this year. <laughs> it's just great to see Kiss out on the road. Uh, being a Kiss fan since back in 1977, you never know what year it may end, and for it to keep going on like this, actually, I've seen I've seen them live now 18 times, and eight of those times have been in the, like the last year and a half. I saw them a bunch of times last year and three times this year, and uh, yeah, I mean it gets a little expensive, but you don't know when it is going to end, so you gotta enjoy it while you can, right? And for them to say that there's a possibility of a, a new album next year, new album next year to me translate to another tour. So maybe I'll get to knock out number 19 and 20 before it all ends. Another excellent year for Kiss. And for them to be doing the Wounded Warrior stuff, I mean, how, how cool is that? Half a million dollars? Incredible and uh, they really support the troops. My wife, she's in the reserves, Air Force Reserves. Uh, I, I was in the Air Force myself, and I think it's cool that they support the troops like that. Uh, 2010 was just, like I said, an incredible year for KISS, and I can't wait to see what happens in 2011. They just put an album out last year, and they're touring for a KISS fan. I don't think it gets any better than this. This is Alex Bagboy Walker, and you are listening to Podkiss.
I went to go see Kiss at Bristol, Virginia on August 21st, uh, 2010. Uh, it was my second show in less than a year or two, so uh, it was great. I dressed up in full Kiss costume. Uh, my hair was long and dyed black. I had the boots on. One of the cool moments, though, was um, while busy taking pictures with some people, my sister and my roommate walk off like 10 feet, and they got to meet Tommy Thayer without makeup as he was getting ready to go backstage to get into makeup. So, of course, uh, they got pictures, and I was definitely jealous, uh, to say the least. You know, here I am in full kiss costume and makeup going like, man, I'm the biggest fan here, and I don't get to meet them at all. And my sister, of course, <laughs> got a sweet picture with Tommy. I was like, oh, I am jealous. The set list, uh, you know, it's the European set list. I've got no complaints. I saw kids last year. That's my first show. The only song they did, it was amazing. And, you know, people said, did they change the set list? But what happened to the show was new for me. So I was excited to hear songs like Say Yeah Live. Uh, I'm an Animal was good. I mean, it's a little slow. I mean, I wish they'd, uh, I wish they'd cut out 100,000 years. I mean, it's definitely it's a cool jam song. But uh, but I think my biggest highlight for me, and uh, it's really cool stories. My dad was in the Navy 30 years. I mean, then, uh, when he was in Asia, the Philippines, he got a tape of uh, Best of Kids tape bootleg. But uh, one of the songs on it was Crazy, Crazy Night. And I was just like, oh, man, I hope they do crazy, crazy nights when it comes to the U.S. And then they kept them in the cell, and I think that was just, like, a big highlight because it was, like, one of my uh, favorite songs. It's just such a sweet, party anthem song. And I love the way they're doing it now, too, where they are. I think they, they, put, they did it a whole step down. I tuned it a whole step down. And it's just, it sounds more rockier. And, you know, people say if they do another Kiss classic CD, what songs would you want to see? And I'm like, do crazy nights the way you guys are doing it now. So, uh, Crazy Crazy Nights was the holiday show for me. But the whole concert was good. You know, like, I guess Paul made uh, made a statement two days ago and said they're going to take the victory lap. And, uh, you know, I look forward to seeing that victory lap come around again. I hope Kiss incorporates a medley, though. A lot of bands are doing that. Um, a lot of their shows put some other stuff in. And I hope they, uh, at least, you know, if they don't change the set this much, they at least incorporate a medley into the show. Just kind of do like a little jam, kind of like you did in, uh, on the Australian leg of the Farewell Tour 2000. Uh, 2001 show was excellent and uh, crazy, crazy night. I mean, it was a crazy, crazy night that night. <laughs> As we take a look at the Hottest Show on Earth tour this summer, we have A.K. Fraley on the phone with us. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about seeing the boys recently? Oh, it was a killer show there, Ken. Um, you know, I took my uh, 12-year-old son there for the first time, and uh, I think it meant more to me to watch him witness uh, Kiss for the first time than it did to me. And, you know... A lot of touching moments. Him and I are both guitar players and, and rock and roll types, and uh, you know, getting to share that uh, moment with him. Uh, one especially really cool moment was uh, him turning to me in the middle of the gig and just saying, "I love you, Dad. I love you, Dad," and just hugging me as hard as he could. And, and there were a couple times there where you know he did the same thing again, and it you know it moves a guy. You know, watching your kids enjoy something that you enjoyed, and you know. It's just it's priceless. It's a priceless father and son moment that you just can't you can't replace that. You can't put a price on it. Now you got into Kiss back when you were how old? 
uh, nine years old. I'm 44 now. Um, I started with the Dress to Kill album and, you know, learning guitar by ear, trying to t- learn myself those licks and, uh, you know, follow the band on up through the Unmasked album. And, um, you know, high school came about and, you know, kind of lost touch for a little bit. Um, recently, I kind of got back into them by way of finding myself in a Kiss tribute band and, course sharing that with my son who wants to be a guitar player you know it's uh something we both can enjoy and uh i'll go on record as saying he, he really has no prejudice as to uh the current lineup you know he, he's a fan of all eras he knows uh every lyric every song he knows it all he, he's a just you know a history buff and uh he's also happy with what he what he saw saturday night blew his mind <laughs> now you had seen kiss before this correct Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, I was taken there by an uncle. I, I saw a show in 79, I believe. That was uh, Pontiac Silverdome. That would have been around the uh, Dynasty Tour. And uh, that was pretty neat. Um, seeing that for the first time, you know, I was just, just spellbound. Um, I also saw him when I was a little bit older in 83 when they took the makeup off for Lick It Up. So, uh, And that was the last time I'd seen him live, you know. I own uh, all the Kissologies and, and, you know, kind of keep up with what they're doing nowadays. But uh, I couldn't pass up this chance to take my son. How did the current show stack up to 1979? Well, I think the major difference is, of course, you know, people are going to say the personnel. Uh, back in 79, there was a lot more mystique about the band. You know, we didn't know what those guys looked like behind that grease paint. So... You know, there was a lot more mystique about a demon, a star child, a spaceman, and a catman. Um, they, their personas were much more larger than life. And, and of course, you know, um, with the advent of the Internet, today we can look at those guys uh, more as uh, human beings and, and instead of superheroes. But, uh, you know, I'm... Uh, I'm happy that the band is carrying on. I'm happy that they, uh, you know, that we do have a band to talk about. Um, I do not want to see them fail in any capacity, and overall that show was just uh, well worth the money. I mean, it it was uh, money well spent. I I had lawn seats, and I was able to take two children under 14 in there. And, um, you know, you can't go wrong with it. If you're a KISS fan, you need to go out and see this show bottom line so then you'd recommend it to everyone um you know when you think about it for a family to be able to go and be united in this economy for very little money is is absolutely amazing and enjoy a quality you know concert a quality entertainment concert well you know um we saw people there of all ages all shapes all sizes all races you know uh there, there's, there's no prejudice at a Kiss concert. Everybody is, um, you know, our fans. If you're there, you're there to see the hottest show on earth, and, and you basically, you know, everybody's there to celebrate the spirit of the band and their history and their legacy, and, and however, you know, they choose to carry it forward. But you see little kids there, and I had to feel sorry for some of the younger ones, you know, the five and unders that, that wanted to sleep, you know, at 10 o'clock because it's a little past their bedtime but uh, <laughs> i think it's great i think that i think it's great that families are there and uh you know old people people that are older than i was you know fans that i'm sure were you know my age now when the band was fresh and 
it's just great, you know. It, it, I looked at the grass when they threw the house lights up, and I haven't heard any real attendance figures for that show, but I'd heard somewhere around 14,000. Wow. And that's quite an amazing sight in, in itself to just look at the grass and see 14,000 people spread out in a sea of arms, you know, up in the air. It's just quite impressive. Wow. Now, you uh, broke down each of the guys' performances. We might as well start with Gene. What would you think of his uh, performance? Uh, Gene was solid. He was solid on there, you know, uh, very professional. Uh, you know, I, I, like a lot of people, you know, we argue about things on, on, on the forums about, you know, how he conducts his private life and what he says in the press. But when that guy gets into demon makeup, he's all about business. And uh, he performed. he performed great. Uh, he looked good, you know, he, he did his blood and his fire stunt and it got a lot, a lot of loud pops from the crowd. Uh, it was just, it was great. And the guys, guys throwing in little bass licks you would never think, you know, I mean, just little things, uh, it sounded kind of improv to me, but I, you know, very strong in his performance. His vocals were great. He's actually uh, playing some things differently in some ways, like, uh, I've noticed in some of the uh, whenever they're jamming, he's doing some different stuff that I've never heard him do before. Uh, let me go rock and roll. Exactly. A couple different uh, bass fills. That's one of my favorite songs, so I pay attention to that. Um, you know, he commands the stage very well, and, and you can tell the guy's a veteran, man. Don't get me wrong, the guy's a professional, and uh, when he gets on stage, you know, he kind of backs up a lot of the things that he brags about. Singer. Eric Singer busted it. Uh, really good, very animated, you know, addressing the crowd. Um, you know, uh, he's a strong drummer. He's a competent, you know, I've, I've uh, heard a few of the other bands he's played in, of course, Alice Cooper and Badlands and, and uh, you know, some other projects. Uh, his vocals are, uh, you know, a, a great asset to the band because he's got a lot Definitely. of higher harmony stuff, you know. Um, he 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 just he does a fantastic job up there. One of the amazing things about people that go to see this show is, is you'll see him many times during the set standing on his drum kit. They lift that drum set up, and you look down at the stage, and you look down, you know, at where his drum kit's up. The guy looks like he could reach up and bang one of those par cans, uh, one of the light cans, and realize, you know, he's just standing on top of a drum kit with which is basically probably three stories off the ground. You know? <laughs> you really don't think about it like that, but you're right. What about Tommy? Uh, well, you know, uh, that goes back to another argument we are, we're always getting into, the Tommy versus Ace thing. And, you know, I believe that the guy, um, no matter who they put in that spaceman makeup, is um, going to catch a lot of flack for it. You know, uh, there are the diehard Originals fans that aren't going to agree. And I went into the show... Um, more or less not wanting to agree with him being in the job, but after I saw the show as a whole, I have to, you know, I have to give it to him. You know, the guy played well. Um, I actually bought the SimFi Live uh, USB disc, and I, I can go back to that USB disc and pick out mistakes from all of them. But uh, he played well. He uh, does the spirit, you know, he tries to capture the spirit of Ace. Um, it's not note-for-note -note stuff. 
um, but he does a, a very good job. I, I was more impressed with the little thing that he did with uh, Eric, the, the little Eric yeah. and Tommy mm-hmm. uh, guitar drum solo. That was pretty cool. Did you also notice some referencing like Jimmy Page, uh, Tony and me, and Chuck Berry? Well, I, I would kind of, I would kind of say Ace did the same thing too. You know, and I understand you're a guitar player yourself. Yeah. You know, there's not a lot we can do that's really uniquely original anymore. We got it from somebody who got it from somebody who got it from somebody. And, exactly. You know, it goes it goes way back. Um, I noticed. Um, you mentioned uh, a page. The page thing, more of that probably would have been found during his little, uh, uh, his solo with Eric, you know. Yeah, and also when they're when they're doing the solo in I'm an Animal, he throws a little bit of something in there, and it's just every, every so often you'll hear something, so. Um, basically, you know, you know how that pentatonic scale works. Uh, oh yeah, you get yeah. Into that, and you start picking out licks that other people have done. You're going to kind of people, you know, are going to be able to pick that out on you. Mm-hmm. But uh, he, he was rather well animated. Uh, he played. He just played a good show. You know, I really couldn't uh, pinpoint his vocals out a lot in the mix. You know, because Eric, I think I, I could really hear those those high harmonies very very well. And uh, of course, you know. During I'm an animal, him and uh, I think they all sing. Yeah, as a counterpoint to Gene's vocal. Mm-hmm. So uh, the three songs they gave us off Sonic Boom, uh, Modern Day Delilah opened the show, and, and that was pretty good. You know, uh, I'm an animal, and uh, say yeah, it, it was entertaining. You know, he, he, I got to give it to him; he did a good job. And, and no matter, you know, whether I agree with him wearing that makeup or not, <clears> you know. Um, and and I, I will say I never was really a fan of Black and Blue or any of his previous work. Um, I, I guess that was something that went over my head at the time, whether I was listening to other bands or, mm-hmm. or not. I was also, you know, back in the early days when uh, Vinnie popped on the scene, I, I was still kind of hesitant to embrace that. 
Right. And uh, I was also hesitant to, you know, embrace Bruce Kulick taking the job. But uh, a few years ago, I, I did get all the kissologies and sat back and looked and um, gave them all a, a view. And I had to agree that, you know, Kulick, Kulick at the time was the best thing that band could, you know, have going for him. The band moving on, he, he played an excellent job. Yes, he did. Uh, what about Paul Stanley? Oh, Paul. Paul was tough now. Here we're talking about one of the uh, the, the best front men in, in rock and roll. You know, and i, I got to give the guy some credit. What is he, 60 years old now? 58. So he, he's, pushing, he's pushing 60, but, you know, if you know your way around Kiss tribute bands, you know, I think the Paul Stanley job is the hardest hardest job to do. The guitar parts are easy enough, but that that vocal style, that vocal, uh, you know, and you're also required to leap three feet in the air with a set of six-inch platforms on your feet. And and this guy was getting, I mean, we, we kind of have a running joke about calling him Air Stanley, but <laughs> for a guy at that age, Air Stanley was getting some air. I mean, you know, he's jumping around and prancing around, and uh, his, his vocals sounded rather strong. I mean, the guy is just wearing his voice out for two hours a night uh that he has anything left is a testament to his uh you know ability i want to send a little shout out to vandalay industry another fellow that posts on message boards with us uh we were talking about paul stanley uh he took his stepson and his wife to their first concert period and they happened to see kiss and from what i understand uh, he actually might be losing his wife to paul stanley uh she she couldn't get over the fact that he was 58 so (laughs) so hi to vandalay industries we're glad you enjoyed the show now now the most important review is not yours or mine but but your son and his friend what did they think and who were they most impressed with you know i I don't think uh i don't think my boy and i ever really discussed who who was really you know, who impressed him the most. The other boy uh, had never seen anything like that, so he was just awestruck the whole time. He knew going in one song, rock and roll all night, and um, the kid was just amazed. I mean, uh, but for my son, you know, we knew the set list going in with, uh, you know, the wonders of the Internet. We knew that they were going to start with modern-day Delilah and end with this, and we knew everything in between. And, And, of course, you know, my son... We're there singing. It, watching him have such a good time, it, it, it kind of made me 12 years old again. And I'm not going to lie to you. I acted like a 12 years old, too. We had double horns up in the air for the whole show and, and singing as loud and proud as and everybody else around us, kids, parents. Uh, and, and you got to wonder, you know, what walks of life these people come from. I might have been standing next to a, a lawyer or a teacher or a a uh, policeman, a bus driver, or somebody that works at McDonald's, it doesn't matter. You know, everybody enjoyed the show and had a great time. My son and I uh, really never discussed who uh, who impressed him the most. I think the spectacle of the whole thing was just, it, it, you know, it was crazy on him. Uh, he had never seen anything like that, even though, he, you know, he's been to quite a few of my gigs, and we try to, you know, imitate that kind of thing. But him seeing that for the first time and I'll and I'll tell you I took him two years ago to see Trans Siberian Orchestra in North Carolina and uh, that was crazy enough. How did they stack up to that? I, I think uh the only I saw the show two years ago, that would have been oh eight. I think the only show that could even get close to TSO would have been KISS and that would have been just a notch below. Um 
you know, it depends on whether you're into the music or you're just there to watch a bunch of fog, lasers, pyro, mm-hmm. uh, propane jets. But, but KISS had it all, and uh, they pulled all out of all the stops. The screens were great. I think uh, wherever you were in in, in that venue, it, uh, this was at the uh, Verizon Wireless Amphitheater in Charlotte, um, you had a great view. And as we were standing on the grass, which was more of a slope, you know, my son was able to visually look, and, and we were close enough where he could see the stage or he could look up at the screen. <clears throat> and uh, that was great. Now, that was another impressive thing about the uh, Charlotte show is the, uh, the the big screen that they have behind the drum riser, which shows a variety of special effects and graphics and camera cuts and edits and fades and wipes, and, you know, that was really cool. That's a great addition to their show right there. Definitely. It's something to be experienced. Now, you mentioned you were in a KISS tribute band. What do you want to tell us about the uh, tribute band? Uh, We've been around trying to make a name for ourselves. Uh, You know, we're still, we we just recently brought in a new lead singer, and uh, the name of the band is Love Gun. Uh, We're based uh, out of central North Carolina, and um, we try to recreate the the Love Gun era, of course. Uh, we take most of our material from the Alive and the Alive 2 albums and throw in um, the bonus New York groove, and I think Heaven's on Fire. But um, what we strive for is uh, musical accuracy, especially, you know, I'm a guitar player. I'm, I'm pretty picky about uh, going back to Alive and Alive 2 and getting those things note for note. So uh, we go for visual accuracy. You know, there's no tinfoil costumes here. Um, our bass player is, is uh, trained. You know, he attended a course on how to do fire breathing, and uh, and uh, of course we do the blood, um, the blood, and and you know we we just try to we try to put in all the elements. I do a smoking guitar solo uh, during Shock Me, which is a, uh, a smoker system that I built myself, and uh, we really try to pay tribute to guys that we looked up to when we were kids, you know, and, and it's trying to carry it on. And the neat thing about it is, you know, we get a lot of recognition for that and, um, you know, a lot of props from the crowd because we're kind of like, if you don't have the money to go see the real band, it, you know, you can go see a tribute band for much less, you know, and um, but we still try to carry that spirit. We know that we're a tribute. We know we're not the real guys. We, we know that... Uh, you know, we take that makeup off. We have jobs and families to go back to. You know, we don't have egos or, or drug or alcohol problems and, and things like that. Um, but it's fun to do. It's definitely fun to do. Let me ask you one question in closing. Um, you and I both love to discuss and debate and so on and so forth on the message boards. Did you think that at this stage in your life, 2010, that you would go to a KISS concert and be able to enjoy it as you did in 1979 all those years ago, did you think that that would be a possibility? No way. No way, not at all. I thought um, once, you know, the original band had broken up, that was pretty much it. And they carried it on. And and I've come to uh, appreciate, you know, pretty much all eras of the band since, but I I wouldn't, you know, I would never have imagined in 1979 that I could go and and see them again. And and I think, you know, by looking at the crowd and the crowd response in Charlotte, I don't see them slowing down. I don't either. I I think they're as big as as they've ever been. Um, 
their shows are are is big and, and is uh, you know bombastic and uh, as they've ever been, and they're reaching a broader audience, I'm sure, than they used to. Um, you know, it's 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 kind of the spirit of the whole thing that that is is be is able to be shared by you know all ages now, as opposed to you know. You know, I mean, Ken, you're probably about my age. Do you remember being a kid and getting picked on for liking Kiss? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's like, oh, you, you like Kiss? Oh, those guys, you know. But nowadays, it's kind of, you mean, you don't like Kiss? What's the matter with you? They're, it's kind of like <laughs> on the other foot. They're almost like uh, Harley Davidson or Apple Pie or Cheeseburger. They are just something that's so ingrained in our culture. Well, you know, and that brings up another point, you know, now that you say being ingrained in the culture, they're an American band, and the thing that they're doing for Wounded Warriors uh, is a very touching segment of the show. I- I'm a military veteran. I was a paratrooper in the 82nd Airborne for four years, um, two decades ago, and to see them guys in the speech that Paul, you know, says about our soldiers, it didn't get overly political, but what he did was you know, get the crowd to realize, look, man, these are our troops. These guys are laying down their lives and giving, you know, sacrificing what they have so that we can live in in freedom. And, you know, he didn't talk about politics or the president or the State of the Union. He he led the crowd in the Pledge of Allegiance. And, you know, as, as, as a veteran myself, you know, the American flag is a, is a sacred symbol of freedom for this country. And uh, I, I, see, I see absolutely no harm in, you know, guiding the crowd in saying the Pledge of Allegiance, you know, to the flag and showing respect for a country that offers you the freedom to take your wife and your kids to a KISS concert on Saturday night. You know, that's a great thing. I agree with you. So how much did it cost you for, for you, your son, and his friend to get in? How much did it cost you? Well, I paid, uh, I bought a lawn ticket. Uh, through the ticket or Live Nation on Friday, printed it in my home. Uh, it was thirty six fifty for a lawn ticket. Um, they say that once I got to the gate, they asked me to step to the ticket booth, and I had a piece of paper, you know, out of the printer, and they gave those kids two hard copy ticket stubs, and they just marked an X on my little uh, paper, and then boys walked right in. So uh, as I understand it, I was able to take up to four children in there for the mm-hmm. price. If you want to break that down, it's $12 in some sense per three of us that walked in there, and that's a steal, because I believe uh, I probably paid around $30 for two people to go see Lick It Up in 1983, you know? Yep. So uh, I spoke to another friend of mine who took his son to the Raleigh show the, the night after our Charlotte gig, and again same response this kid was eight years old he went in there this kid had uh come to one of our gigs when we played Fayetteville North Carolina we treated the kid like royalty we're all about the fans and the kids we can pose for a picture if we can give you a guitar pick or a drumstick anything we can do to make those kids have a better experience um we'll do it as a tribute band and he took his son is eight-year-old son to see the Raleigh show, and the kid was once again mesmerized, spellbound, just, just you know, absolutely amazed. And he was very impressed with the show himself. Guys my age, you know, that was his first Kiss show ever. Took his wife to their first Kiss show ever, and they were all just blown away by the spectacle and and what we're calling, you know, 
the hottest show on earth. And uh, I haven't heard from anybody yet that says it's not worth the money. I highly suggest it while they're still out there. And another reason, you know, at this point in their career being, what, 37 years into it, you never know when that train's going to stop. And I, I don't I don't want to see it stop, but I had to get there before it does, you know. Well, I'm glad you got on board again, buddy. I'll tell you what, I really respect you as a poster, and uh, I just always enjoy where you're coming from, and I'm glad to have you on the show. I try to keep it real, Ken. Thanks a lot. All right, man. Love you. Be good. Peace. Just a few months ago, we had a feature on the passing of Bill O'Coin, and not everybody was able to be part of that show. Since then, we've uh, had a little bit of audio float our way, and here's some of it. We are now joined by Louis Antonelli, director of One Live Kiss, who has been uh, friends with the Kiss camp for a very long time, and he's going to share with us some of his thoughts on Bill O'Coin. Well, Bill O'Coin was an amazing guy in every kind of way. Uh, first had an opportunity to meet him um, in November 1974, when uh, the first time I ever met uh, the band, and uh, he came in with them. He uh, seemed to be with them all the time, from what I could see. He was... Uh, you know, at that time and after, just such a, a kind gentleman, uh, very, very intelligent man. That was one of the things I always loved about Bill. Uh, even, you know, talking with me, I was a kid at that time. He spoke, you know, in a very intelligent, never a condescending way. And uh, I'll never forget that time, in fact, uh, not only because of the specialness of meeting the band and Paul and spending the time what I did with Paul that time, but also Bill gave me... Um, a, my own set of the lips pin, the uh, classic pin. But the, um, the, it was kind of used as like a show pass for friends of the band. Kind of mm-hmm. thing. I was just, I was completely floored uh, to get that, and uh, I used it a few times into uh, 1975. Never taken advantage of it, of course, or anything like that. And it was really just, it's a, it's a treasured possession to me to this day because uh, you know Bill was kind enough to uh, consider me a friend of the band and. Uh, through the 70s, I would send letters to Coin Management in New York, and uh, I got a backstage pass once to 1977 Chicago Stadium. And then into the 80s and uh, 90s, I would talk to Bill occasionally and uh, see him sometime at expos and at Kiss events and uh, things. And always just a you know, really wonderful guy. Very sad because uh, just weeks before Bill passed away, um, I uh, got a call from Paul, and we were talking about doing a uh, a retrospective uh, interview production with Bill um, on the uh, first 10 years of KISS and the Acoin years and I uh, was really looking forward to going down to Florida and uh, you know working with Bill and uh, spending time with him sadly that wasn't to be we'll always have amazing memories of him and I think uh, KISS fans are uh, uh, should all have a special place in their heart for Bill because uh, who knows if there would have been the magic that there is KISS without you know Bill uh, God bless Bill Acoin Amazing guy. Well, today we're joined by uh, Mick Campisi on uh, on a very sad day uh, on the passing of Bill O'Coin, and Mick Campisi is joining us from France. Hello, everyone. What are you doing in France, Mick? I am on vacation. Okay. I do a I do a program as a scholar in residence in the French Alps for Tufts University. 
Uh, my roommate is a professor there, and he heads up uh, the study abroad program. So we're nestled away in the French Alps. Well, that's and fantastic. Beautiful and wonderful. That is that is very cool. Um, we asked you to join us on the show today to talk a little bit about your memories of Bill O'Coin and uh, what. what First off, what when you heard about it, how did you hear about it? And I, I know that you mentioned that you uh, contacted Gene and Paul as well. Yes, yes. Um, yesterday morning, uh, it was a really strange day. I had been in Spain and had caught the boys' show in Barcelona. And then I believe it was two or three days later, it was Sunday, um, they did the Grass Pop Festival in Belgium. And I was there for that show. The tour ended. I got on the train to go to Amsterdam, France, which is about 20 miles south of Geneva. And I received an email from Lydia, Chris, telling me about Guy, which is his real name, Guillaume, uh passing. And uh, that's how I found out. And so immediately I contacted uh, Gene and Paul. Uh, just out of courtesy, I didn't know if they had heard about it, but I should have known that they would be on top of everything. So, um, yeah, that's how I found out. Did Did you happen to see KOL uh, Kiss Online? No, I didn't. You I should, haven't yet. You should. You should. You should go. They have a very nice tribute to Bill on oh, there. Oh, wonderful! Wonderful. So you knew uh, Bill O'Coin from back in the day when you were uh, part of the Kiss Road crew. Uh, yep, Bill was the one that hired me. Do you have any special memories or thoughts about the man? Bill O'Coin was, he was one of a kind. He had the foresight to, uh, to make his dream happen, and he found the perfect people to do it, which was Kiss. And at the time, his partner was Sean Delaney. And Sean is the one responsible for every single thing you see Kiss do on stage was pretty much Sean's uh, doing. Uh, the choreography, he taught Gene how to walk in those uh, exaggerated steps on stage, like the demon, you know, just not a regular person. Uh, Paul used to complain about when they would dye their hair black, he would always have this scalp. His scalp was always itching, so he was always scratching it. And Guy, Delacroix, and Sean Delaney told him, if you're going to scratch your hair, scratch it like you mean it. <laughs> so that's where the two hands on the hair fluffing it all up came about. And now every rock store and every uh, movie store in the world does it with their hair now. <laughs> but uh, and it's just simple little things like that that, that Bill, um, you know, just drilled into him. And he was, he was like that. He got you motivated. Uh, he would give you a glimpse of what the possibilities could be. And he was our Zen master. He was our guru. Whatever Bill said, we did because we had faith in him and we trusted him. And he treated every single one of us with respect. Every one of us. That is something that keeps coming up over and over again is that he uh, always took time to get to know everybody and uh, make everybody feel that they were part of the KISS machine. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, still to this day, well, as you can tell about your emails, I'm sure, uh, people's thoughts and sentiments about him passing. Uh, I met him one time, and he was so nice to me. You know, posed for pictures and and whatnot, and the fans just just fell in love with him the same way we all did, and that was the man. You know, that was Bill O'Coin. If he could help you, he would. And had it not been for him taking a chance on those four guys from New York, none of this might have ever happened. It probably wouldn't have ever happened. You know, because uh, on no, you know your history back and forth, and in the beginning, every single band hated us. Nobody wanted us to play with them because we were blowing them off the stage in the beginning, and and it's all true. That 1974 tour, Dressed to Kill, Hotter Than Hell, all that was made possible through Bill O'Coin's American Express card. In fact, Peter... Paul and myself were stuck in San Francisco for two weeks at the Travel Lodge <laughs> Motel in the Tenderloin because we couldn't pay the bill to leave. So we had to stay there for two more weeks uh, until his American Express card would bail us out and pay the hotel bill so we could get out of there. I remember um, Peter, Paul, and myself were in my room. And between the three of us, we had less than $2 to our name. I said, well, I could go get me a hamburger, since most of the money was mine. <laughs> I could go get myself a hamburger, or we can go get a loaf of bread and a jar of peanut butter, and all three of us live off of that. And that's what we did. <laughs> so, Paul yeah, always he, told him. Uh, Paul always told a story about how he would go into Bill's office to try to get an advance. And uh, he there's one story, I believe, in, in Behind the Mask where he mentions that he was going to get an advance and then he noticed that there was a hole in the bottom of Bill's shoe. So <laughs> Paul didn't have True. the uh, – Paul, Paul kind of let it go after seeing that, you know. <laughs> He's going, this guy's got holes in his shoes and I'm going to ask him for, for a loan. But, you know, you got to remember also, Peter was married, and Lydia was taking care of him while he was getting his uh, career going. And um, the rest of the three guys all lived at home with their parents. I mean, we'd go out on the road, and they're treated like rock stars and this and that. And then they come home, the makeup's off, nobody knows who they were. And it was like, what a confusing time. Am I a rock star or am I just this kid living with my parents? But, um, no, getting back to Bill, he uh, he had a way of making everyone feel at ease. And, with, like I said, with them all being from New York and having their parents' homes to fall back on, uh, there was never any pressing need for money, actually. You know, but when you live at home, what do you pay? Exactly. So, exactly. You know, so once the uh, once the lob came out, all that changed. Thank you so much, and you be safe in your travels. Thank you very much. Thank you so much okay. for being a friend of the podcast. Absolutely. Thank all you, Ken. Right. Yep. Bye bye.
That's our show. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check us out on the web at www.podkist.com. If uh, you have any suggestions, comments, or just want to talk to us, drop us a line at podkist at gmail.com. Be sure to check out James's other site, which is called zombiefaq.com. For all you white zombie fans, it's the place to be. A big thanks to Julian and all of our friends over at kissfaq.com. Big thanks to all of our pals at MyKissLife.net. Keith LaRue and all the staff over at KissOnline.com. They do a great job representing the hottest band in the land. If you have a Kiss-related website and want us to uh, mention it in the show notes or uh, possibly talk about it on the air, just let us know and we'll see what we can do about that. As James mentioned, be sure to check out Kiss Online for links to all the individual band members' websites. And as always, a big thanks to Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, Ace Fraley, Peter Crisp, Vinnie Vincent, Bruce Kulick, Eric Singer, Tommy Thayer, and the memories of the late, great Eric Carr. 
and the late great Mark St. John. You are KISS. And we are your army. Thanks for listening. Good night. Good night.